Hey, we want to welcome you back to this series we're doing uh, called Clichés, Half-Truths, and Lies We Will Believe. We want to welcome our online audience who are joining us as well. Glad that you folks are with us. Um, several years ago, um, Wanda and I were invited to a conference that was put on by Great Commandment Ministries. Um, David Ferguson, Dr. David Ferguson from Austin, Texas, uh, is the one that heads that group up. And it was a fantastic conference on relationships. Uh, in fact, some of the stuff that Great Commandment Ministries teach um, are some real foundational principles that actually really not only helped Wanda and I in our own relationship, but stuff that we in turn have taught many times to other people, really, really great tools they can use, and I wholeheartedly recommend their ministry. But it was at that conference that for the first time, I heard something that I had never heard before. Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen. Um, this is a passage of scripture that most of us um, hear, and just, just read this out loud together. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. David Ferguson um, put that verse up on the screen, and he said, don't you find that verse interesting? He said, think about it for a second. You have a perfect God who created a perfect man. He put him in a perfect place, this Garden of Eden, where all the food, everything that he needed was, was there. Uh, the man was without sin, so he had this perfect relationship with God. In fact, the Hebrew idea of perfection is God and man walking together in the cool of the day. And he said, you have this perfect God, a perfect man in a perfect place with a perfect relationship with nothing between them. And God looks at this perfect scene and says, it's not good. Dave Ferguson said, that's what we call the first crisis in the Bible. And he began to talk about the fact that it was evident that God created us to live in community. He said, one of the things that we don't understand that we sometimes get wrong is that God created us to need more than just him. God created us to need each other. Now, I know that's a, a little bit of a, of a kind of a hard pill to swallow sometime, and I know some of us are going, you know, I want to I believe I can do this. I, I just want you to set each other free this morning. I just want you to turn to the person you're sitting beside, and I just want you to say to him, you need me. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's some of them back there going, no, I ain't saying that. I don't care, Pastor. You can do whatever you want. I ain't saying that to my wife. I promise you. Yeah, but, but we do. And, and that was the point that David Ferguson was making. He says, you know, we often use this cliche, Jesus is all you need. He said, but the reality is we need more than Jesus. God created us to need more than Jesus. God created us to also need one another. Now, let's, 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 be real, let's be real clear and upfront about this. Jesus is the most important thing we need. Amen? In fact, I want to be real clear this morning. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ and surrendered to him as your Lord and Savior, you're missing the best part that life has to offer. And you're missing the most important piece of life. In fact, next week I'm going to talk about this. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you want healing and wholeness and a new opportunity, it only going to come through Jesus Christ. But what you're also going to discover is that God also created you not just to need him as Savior and Lord. He created you to need a family, a community to belong to. 
That's why if you fast forward into the New Testament, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he went on to say, and the second one is equally important. And that's to do what, church? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In fact, when you go through Scripture, I just challenge you to do this in your own time, but as you go through Scripture, time and time again, God reminds us how we really do need each other. In fact, let's look at a couple of Scriptures together. Throw the one up from Ecclesiastes 4. I often use this one um, when I'm doing weddings with folks. Uh, it says, two people are better off than one before they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm if they're married. You <laughs> thought I needed to throw that in. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Read it out loud, church. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Fast forward into the New Testament, and here's this new Christ who comes onto the scene, and his Holy Spirit is empowering all of their believers. And, and now, it's, you know, it's me and Jesus, and we can do this. But I want you to look at what the writer in Hebrew says. Throw that up on the screen for me. Read it with me. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. In other words, just because you have this newfound faith and this newfound salvation, and even in this newfound power through Jesus Christ, guess what? You still need this body of believers around you. In fact, Jesus, in his wisdom, when he began to send his disciples out, throw that up on the screen for me, and he called his 12 disciples together, and he began to send them out, how? Say it again, two by two. Throw that quote up on the screen for me, would you? Just want you to call your attention to this. The phrase one another is used 94 times in the New Testament. Look at me. Make eye contact. God created you to need him. And if you don't have him, you've missed the main ingredient. But if you do have him, he's created you for more than just that. We need each other. Amen. Now, let's unpack that together. If you have your sermon outline and you take notes and you want to track along or doodle to keep yourself awake, go with me on this. Uh, let's talk. Well, Pastor Steve, if, if I need people, why, why do I need people? How do I need people? Are you ready? Here we go. We need the help of others. Sometimes we just need help from others. Come on. It's just us. It, it was Sunday morning. Great place to come. How many of you be honest enough to admit there are times you need the help of other people? Yes. I was out there, we're working on our, our storm shelter. Uh, they've got a big mound around it, and Wanda wants to change it all and put you know, new stuff on there, and, and so we had to dig out all this. So I'm, I'm out there last night in this, whatever, 90-degree heat, you know, 2,000% humidity. You know, I've got this thing, and I'm tilling this ground up, and I'm, and I'm going, you know what? I'm too old for this. What am I doing out here? You know, it's like, but the reality, I, my body can't do what it used to do. And I'm thinking, you know, this is my last time to do it. From here on, I'm paying some young man or encouraging some young man who loves their father enough to do for him those things, you know. Um, you know, we get, I, I, as much as I, as hard as it is on my manhood to admit that, you know what? I need help sometimes. I need help sometimes. Uh, Sherman and Kay Kreitzer have just moved here from, uh, where would you go, from North Dakota? Where were you at? 
Scottsbluff, Nebraska, that's right. Uh, from Scottsbluff, Nebraska, they were on the mission field for about 105 years, I think. They were there. there. Yeah. Uh, we've known them a long time. Uh, great folks just moved to Norman, Oklahoma. Just like, let's welcome them to Oklahoma, folks. <laughs> Glad that you guys are here. So excited. Their daughter, Carrie, has been coming here to Chartel. But uh, they were moving in this last week and uh, needed some help moving. And so we recruited some youth and some of our adults who came alongside of them. Was that a blessing to you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and I just want to say, you know what? We need this. And on behalf of Sherman and Kay, for all of you who helped, I know several of you did. Thank you so much. That meant the world to them. I promise you. There's been enough. We need each other. God created us that way. Here's what, here's what Paul says in Galatians. Paul says, read it with me. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Listen to me. I'll read this for you. If you think you are too important to help someone... You are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Now, I, I think most of us really are okay with that. And I don't think probably too many of us in this room think we're too important to help somebody else. Look at me. But I'll bet you there's a lot of us who find it hard to ask for help. Because there's something about life and there's something about our journey of faith that says, you know what, I, I ought to be able to do this on my own. But the reality is, you need these people around you. And sometimes you need their help, even when it's hard for you to admit that. Amen? There was a great story. I don't know if you saw this in the news last month. This, I thought this was hysterical. Um, Salt Lake City. There was a 911 call. I'm going to read you the 911 dialogue. 911, what's your emergency? This is the police. Yes, sir. This is the police. What's the nature of your emergency? No, this is the police. Correct again, sir. This is 911. Please, how can we help you? No, this is literally the police. We are calling you from an elevator. <laughs> we have seemed to put too many humans onto this thrill ride, and now we're stuck. Sir, did I hear that right? You're stuck in the elevator, and you need help getting out? That's correct, ma'am. Copy that. What's the address of the building? Well, that's the thing, you see. It's this building, the one you're currently in, ma'am. <laughs> Sir, did I copy that correct, that you're stuck in the elevator of our own public safety building? Yes, ma'am, and we need help getting out. This is not a drill. I repeat, this is not a drill. Copy that, sir. We are sending the fire department over to help you. And the police officer responds, oh, great. The jokes are going to write themselves. I'll bet they can't wait to post that on social media. And they couldn't throw that up on the screen. <laughs> That's a great picture of the Salt Lake City Fire Department with nine cops inside helping to get that elevator door open. And uh, they caught just a little bit of y'all. I'll just show you just a short clip of that. Throw that video for it as the cops got out. Do you have any idea how long the fire department is going to hold that over the heads of the police department? 
I mean, there's a great good-natured competition that goes on between, between the two. And, and do you, can you imagine being on that elevator as a police officer knowing that you had to call the fire department to get you out? You know, how hard it But here's the reality. Don't miss this. I don't care who you are. Fire department, police department, pastor of a church, doesn't matter. We need help from each other from time to time. Amen? We need to be able to give help, and we need to be able to receive help. That's how God made us to be. Let me give you a second one I bet you haven't thought about. We need the perspective of other people. We need this perspective that others can bring us. Yeah. Um, how many um, married people do we have here today? Yeah. How many of you are married to someone who sees the world differently than you do? Yeah. Everybody who just had their hand up. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Now, what I want to tell you is, as much as you probably don't like that sometimes, I certainly didn't like that when I got married, I found out I needed that. I need the perspective of other people. Um, Pastor Will, can, can I get you to help me for, for a second? I want, to, I want to give you just a little... <laughs> Here we go. Give you a microphone. I want you, here's what I want you. I want you to stand back to back with me. I want you to look straight forward toward the cross right there, okay? Just stand back. All right, I'm going to put stand back here. And here's what I want you to do without moving your head, standing forward. Uh, here's what I want the idea is I want you to do. If, if, we, if we were going to describe this room to somebody else outside, look at the different perspectives that we have. Well, I want you to describe to me without moving your head, I want you to describe what you can see just in your peripheral view of vision. That it, okay. You, do you see the people? Nope. You don't see the people that are filling this room? Nope. Do you see the sound booth, how big that is? Um, no. Do you see the clock? No. no. Do, do you see, you don't, you don't see any of these, you don't, you don't see the exit door, you don't see any of that? Nope. What room are you in? You don't see all of these people. There are a couple hundred people in this room. You don't see them. Nope. Are you looking at the same room I am? Now, how many of you, this sounds like one of your married conversations you've had since that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, bud. Thank you. You know, and, and what I've discovered, and, I got, and I'm going to be honest with you, this was really hard for me when I got married because it, our, our perception is our reality. And, and what I thought, what I saw was the way that it was. And my wife sees it from this whole alien point of view, you know. And, and, I, and she would say, this is what she sees. And then as I got into ministry, I, I found myself on a staff and, and with a board. And these people around the table had this annoying other point of view about things. Now, here's what I realized. This was God helping me. Because you see, just like Will and I were both looking at the same room, you know what? His, his perception was his reality, but his reality only went to here. And my perception was my reality, but my reality only went to here. It took both of us to see the whole. Does that make sense to you? Now, here's what I want you to understand. God gave you these people around you because they have a different perspective than you do. They can help you see things that you don't. They can help you see things differently than you do. And you can't even begin to imagine how helpful that'll be along the way if you can embrace that. I love what Proverbs says. Throw that up on the screen for me. Read it out loud, church. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, let me stop there. 
when we talk about getting advisors, they are not necessarily people who are, quote, smarter than you. They are simply people who can see it differently than you. And here's what I've realized. There are people who are a lot smarter about other things than I am, and we need to embrace that. Here's another one for you, and I want you to really bury this one into your mind. Throw that next verse up on the screen. Don't go to war without wise guidance. There is safety and many counselors. Let me rephrase that. Don't go to Facebook <laughs> without running what you're going to say by someone else. Are you with me? Because sometimes, can we be honest, sometimes we emotionally react to things in a certain way, and sometimes we're not really seeing the whole more clear view. I had a pastor some time back that called me one night and said, hey, can, can I get some advice for you from a second? I said, sure. And they said, I want to read you something that someone sent to me, and I'm just really upset, and, but before I respond to them, I, want, I just want to run it by you. And so they read me what this person had sent to them. And, um, and I, they began to tell me why they were so upset. And they began to tell me how they were going to respond and, you know, how they were going to get in this person's face and they were going to tell them how the cow ate the cabbage and set them straight and blah, 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 blah. And after they finished, they said, am I wrong in doing this? And I said, well, I'm not sure about wrong, but let me give you another perspective. I said, when I heard what you read to me, I didn't take it that way at all. Here is how I took it. And when I said that to them, when I kind of gave them back what I was hearing, they said, you know what? I never really thought about it that way. And I said, you know, before you go to the mat over this, you might want to just be clear about what it is you're about to fight over. Does this make sense to you? I want you to just hear my heart with this. Quite frankly, folks, sometimes we take bad situations and make them a lot worse because we don't gauge our responses as wisely as we should. Sometimes just a simple other perspective can help you frame things in a way that might be more helpful. Does that make sense to you? I don't know about you. I've discovered I need the perspective of others. Let me give you another one. We need the encouragement of others. We need the encouragement of others. Now, we're all wired differently. I get that. But, but how many of you are wired like I am, and it helps you, really helps you when people encourage you? Yeah? Okay, yeah, there's several. Now, my wife didn't raise her hand because my wife, honestly, could probably live without encouragement. She needs respect, and this is one of the things I've learned about her. I need her to encourage me a lot more than she needs me to encourage her. True? Yeah, and, and, but, but what, what along the way, what I've realized is I, I need that, and I need to know how wonderful, but I, I'm one of those guys, I, I need people to encourage me. I need people to tell me I'm doing a good job. I need people to tell me that, you know, this, this is good, and that's just kind of how I'm wired. When people do that, for some of us, it's breathing energy into us. It breathes life into us. Now, all of us need it to some degree. Some of us are a little bit more needy than others sometimes. What I want to encourage you with is this, too. Not only do we need encouragement, have you ever realized how powerful your encouragement is when you give it? Throw that passage up on the screen for me. Thessalonians, Paul wrote these words. Read them with me. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Look at me. Don't miss this. There are some people in your world, I promise you, 
that your words of encouragement are fuel for them. There are people who will take, only take some steps if you give them the encouragement to do it. There are some people who will only reach some heights if you give them the encouragement to do it. There are some people who will only overcome some issues in their life if they have someone like you to come alongside them and encourage them and give them the added strength that they need. Does this make sense to you? Let me give you a great example of this. Throw that picture up on the screen. Anybody know who that guy is on the right? Who is that, Corbin? Yeah, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. Coach K coaches uh, at Duke University, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, just a fantastic coach and a fantastic man. He's one of those guys who believes in his players, and he tries to help them really become great men, not just great ball players. The basketball player to his, to, on his side is uh, Shane Battier. Um, Shane played uh, in 1999 and then early 2000s and was uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal ball player. In 1999, Duke lost to Connecticut in the national championship. Um, after that loss, unexpectedly, some of the Duke players opted out of the next year and decided to go ahead and enter the draft early uh, into the NBA. Uh, Shane Battier, who was a freshman um, was now going to be put in a position where he was going to have to take on a whole new role. And Coach K met with him at the end of the year and said, Shane, with these guys, you know, opting out, you know, you're going to be our centerpiece next year. You know, you're going to be the guy we're going to have to build this team around. And Shane um, was a little tentative. He didn't have a lot of self-esteem. He didn't have a lot of belief in himself. And so when Coach K said, you're going to need to be the leader, you're going to need to step up, Shane said, Coach, you know, I, I agree, I, I probably do, but I'm not sure I can do that. And Coach said, I think you can. Well, Shane went home, and uh, first, day of, first day of summer, it was interesting, Coach K said that he called Shane Battier on his phone on, when Shane was on his way to work, and, he, uh, and when, when Shane answered the phone, he said, Shane, this is Coach K. He said, hey, man, he said, when you woke up this morning, did it show up on your radar screen that you could be the conference player of the year next year? And Shane said, wow, coach, I never, and before he could even say another word, Coach K hung up on him. <laughs> Shane said, well, that was weird. Next morning, same thing. Shane's on his way to work. His phone rings, picks it up, and, and, uh, and Coach K says, Shane, this is Coach K. He said, when you are, as you on your way to work, he said, are you imagining that this year you're going to have at least one game where you're going to score over 30 points? Have you thought about that yet? And Shane said, well, no, coach. I, and coach K hung up on him again. Coach K said, 10 seconds later, his phone rang and it was Shane. And Shane said, coach, don't hang up on me. And there's what coach K said. He said, then Shane, don't you hang up on you. He said, I believe in you. I believe you can be the best player in our conference. I believe you can be the leader that can take us to another national championship. But it doesn't matter if I believe in you. You have to believe in you. Shane Battier went on to become national player of the year, NCAA. And also Duke went back and did, again, win a national championship while he was a player. Coach K breathed encouragement into Shane. Do you think that meant anything to him? Absolutely. I saw this quote a while back. I just loved it. Throw it up on the screen for me. He says, William Arthur Ward says, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you, but encourage me and I will not forget you. Let me give you one more. 
We need the prayers of others. We need the prayers of others. You know, I, I love the fact that the Bible says that through Jesus Christ, each and every one of us now have the ability to come straight before God ourselves. Um, the, the, the veil has been torn. We have access to God. But having said that, there's, there's something powerful when we pray for each other. In fact, this is what James said in James 5. Throw that up on the screen. Read it with me, church. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Now, I, I can confess my sins to God, and God will hear me, and God will forgive me. I can tell God my needs, and God will listen to me. He'll hear my prayer, and he will respond. But there's something powerful when I confess my sins to one other person, there's something powerful when I, when I confess to someone else that I have a habit, I can't break, or I've got a struggle, I can't get through, or I'm discouraged, and I need, there's something that happens. James says, you know what, when we confess like that, when we hold each other accountable, and when we lean into each other's life, there's a healing that happens. And I can't begin to tell you how many times I've met with people who I know have prayed about their situation on their own a lot. But when I pray with them, when they share that with me and are vulnerable and we pray together, there's something deeper that happens. It's not because of me. It's because there's power when we pray for each other. Does that make sense to you? It was a Sunday morning um, in Pennsylvania several years back when I was pastoring there. It was a little after 7 and I had woken up and I was getting ready for Sunday morning and I was having a hard day. Um, ministry, like other jobs, it gets hard sometimes. And I'd been through kind of a rough stretch. And I was tired. And I was weary. Um, and I was just one of those places where, you know, I just was having to really dig deep to just keep going. And I woke up. And I was sitting on the side of my bed. And I was trying to just give myself the motivation to, to, to move forward. And my telephone rang. When you're a pastor and your phone rings on Sunday morning, <laughs> that's not usually a good thing. And I, this, you know, I didn't, I didn't know something, I was upset with something or something had gone wrong. So I picked up the phone. I said, this is Pastor Steve. And my good friend, John Spears, who pastored in Casper, Wyoming, and it was 7 o'clock my time. That meant it was 5 a.m. his time. John's always been a morning person for which I've hated him all my life. <laughs> But John's one of those morning people. And at the other end of the line, John Spear says, Steve Childs, good morning. This is John Spear. You are a man of God. And today, you are going to rock the world of your congregation with this message God has given to you. I love you. I believe in you, my brother. And today, God is going to use you in an anointed and powerful way. I'm going to pray for you. Can I tell you how meaningful it was to me for those next few moments to sit on the side of my bed and not have to be Pastor Steve for a moment, but just to be Brother Steve. And something happened for me as I held that phone to my ear and my good friend just began to pray that God would breathe into me his spirit and life that day. God filled my heart to overflowing. How, 
I don't know the mystery or the dynamics behind how that works, but here's what I know. This is what Jesus said. Throw it up on the screen. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. We need the prayers of each other. Amen. Rachel, why don't you go ahead and come on back. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you, know, you guys would go ahead and come on up this morning and take your places. And in just a moment, I, I've asked Rachel to lead us in um, a song that is one of my favorite songs, an older song. It says, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. I don't know uh, what you came with this morning. I don't know what struggles you may have been having or what you may be going through. have no idea what's going on in your life or the lives of someone close to you that you need to bring before God. And this morning during this song, and when I say a prayer in just a little bit here, um, you can take that to God right where you are. Um, you can lean into the Lord. You can write that need on a prayer card. You can hang it on our prayer wall if you like. If you'd like a moment alone, you can slip out from where you are and you can kneel in an altar and just have a moment with God by yourself. But where two or three gather together, there's a special power. And there may be some of you who feel comfortable being vulnerable enough to slip out from where you are and just coming up to one of our prayer partners and let them stand with you and pray with you about whatever it is that's going on in your life. I'm not going to tell you they're any more holy than you are because they're not. They're people just like you. But they're people who care about you. And they're people who believe in the power of prayer. And we as a church believe that we've got to do this stuff together. And so while we sing this, if you've got a need of something going on, you would like someone to pray with you about, we want to just encourage you, slip out from where you are, come, they'll write where they are, they'll just stand right there and be happy to pray with you about anything that you may need help with. Uh, if you're good where you are, that's great, just let the song minister to you, but let's, let's make these next couple moments of time where we sing, as we sing the song and lean into God, let's just let him fill us afresh and anew, and let's meet him right where he's at. Let's pray together. Our Father, we, as we come before you today, um, how grateful we are that you never leave us or forsake us. How grateful we are that you stand with us even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to be afraid. But this morning, Father, I'm just particularly grateful that in your wisdom that you created us to need more than just you. You created us to need each other. And I know for some of us, Lord, that's a, that's a scary thing. Some of us have been hurt by other people. We've been betrayed by other people. We've been let down by other people. You understand that because you went through exactly the same thing. And yet when you were walking through a very difficult place, you stepped into the Garden of Gethsemane, you you took three of your closest friends with you and you said to them, would you guys stay here and pray with me? And Jesus, if you needed to do that, we probably do too. So Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to humble our hearts. And I pray that you would help us to realize what an incredible gift that you've given us in this family we call the church 
that these brothers and sisters that we have in Christ, not just here at Chartel, but around the community and around the country and around the world, are your gifts to us that we know we never have to be alone. So, Father, today, help us to be willing to come alongside to pray for, encourage, and strengthen others. And at the same time, Lord, help our hearts to be humble enough to let others encourage and strengthen and pray for us. Where two or three gather together in my name, I'm there, you said. Help us to be that kind of family, we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. And everyone said, amen, amen.